What do we make of the summer league coaching performance? And is this the last dance for Kai Jones and James Booknight? We'll talk about it all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. As always, we are free. We are available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. You can see Doug right there. He's dancing. He's grooving. You can check out his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and you can listen to me every weekday on WFNZ, 92.7 FM, from 12 to 3 p.m. So, Doug, when we talk about these players, when we talk about Brandon Miller, James Booknight, Nick Smith Jr., yada, yada, pick your, you know, to whatever, right? Pick wow. Player. Disrespecting yeah. Amari Bailey. You're disrespecting James Najee with your yada, yada. Um, the reason that I was, well, I'm not even disrespecting the players. I think we're <laughs> about to get a little disrespectful with the coaching staff. That's at least what the fan base is doing right now when they try to evaluate what they're watching in summer league because it's not been good. And so if you were to talk about Brandon Miller, then you might be able to point out his 12-point performance in the fourth quarter as to why he's totally fine. Seven assists in the second game, only shot four attempts, but made two of them, so he's totally fine. But when people defend Brandon, and they have a point, a big point, it's the fact that the coaching staff isn't freeing him up nearly as much, that they don't look ready that Nick Smith Jr. is out here still running a lot of ISO and pick and roll and has the basketball in his hands a lot. Same thing with Bryce McGowan's just having the basketball in his hands a lot. They don't look like they are a functional group going out there on the court. And Brandon is just trying to make the best of the situation. I think you do see that quite a bit because it doesn't look organized out there, Doug. And whose job is it to get them organized? Well, that would be the summer league head coach and the coaching staff. What have you made of the coaching drama happening right now with the Charlotte Hornets summer league roster that has been beaten down by 20 points and 15 after they came back from 20 in that last little bit of action against Golden State? So fans love players. They don't often fall in love with coaches. And so when mm -hmm. things go wrong, fans are quick uh, to blame coaching. Um, it's happened with uh, nearly every single coach that we've covered here at the Charlotte Hornets on the professional level, not just the the swarm or the uh, summer league level. Okay, so this is not unusual when things go wrong, uh, but there's something to this because oh, yeah. of how disorganized this team looked, especially in comparison to two franchises that they played in the California Classic that are generally considered well-run in San Antonio and Golden State. Those two teams were filled with a bunch of names that are that are unknown to most casual and even some hardcore NBA fans, and yet they were running laps around a team in, in Charlotte that has a lot of guys that have NBA experience that have been with the big coach and Steve Clifford and James Borrego. So this, this is unusual, and you have a, a coach, Marlon Garnett, who is, was a Borrego hire, is his first time in a head coaching role uh, in summer league or, or otherwise, um, and he's, he's a guy that's known as sort of LaMelo Ball's coach, and, and it doesn't look like things are going well. And, and I, So I've made notes about this in everyhornetsboxscore.com being like, Something's something's not right here. And especially when you look at Brandon Miller and not getting those opportunities, plays not being run. It just looks 
it, it looks like something's off. And a lot of the guys, their body language is wrong too. Like it just, nobody looks like they're having a good time out there. So I thought there was something to this Walker. And then uh, the, my, the, the amazing readers of every Hornets box score tipped me off to the true hoop podcast, discussing this at the end of their podcast. If you want to go listen to it, it's the latest episode starts at about 45 minutes, but I've got a quote here for you from one of the co-hosts of the true hoop podcast, David Thorpe. They were discussing the team. They were discussing Brandon Miller's struggles. They're not worried about Brandon Miller. They think he's going to be fine. David Thorpe was a big Brandon Miller guy heading into the draft. And they get on this summer league situation. And here's the quote from David Thorpe. I had a player tell me the other day, he's in summer league. He knows what he's doing. He's a good player. And he said, their summer league coach sucks. I said, what do you mean? He's like, you can tell he's never coached the game before in his life. And he said, the worst thing is, We've got two assistant coaches who know what they're doing and they're trying to help him and they're taking over too much right now. And it's a bleep show. Mm -hmm. This is what a guy told me in practice. It had only been two or three practices in, but he was really down. He's like, it's going to be a mess. He's an NBA player already and has a long contract out of him, but he's young. And so he's playing for the sake of the team. Wow. That's the end of the quote. Walker. That's a lot. What do you oh. make of all of that? <laughs> well, and and so I, I didn't listen to the podcast, but this is in direct reference to the Hornets. Like, there's no doubt what team he's talking about with this quote. Right? Uh, absolutely no doubt, because okay. the beginning of the conversation, they moved to Brandon Miller. They discuss how Brandon Miller's looked um, in Summer League. They gotcha. defend Brandon Miller, and in part of the defense of Brandon Miller was this little anecdote from an unnamed player, but we get some clues about who this player is. Uh, and the clues so were it, long it, contract, young, playing for the sake of the team. Uh, who who it, do you is that? Should we start there? Is that the question we have to start with? Like, who do we think is spilling the tea? Well, play the speculation sound. I know it's been coming out a little bit more here recently. <laughs> Go ahead and play. Again, we're just speculating here, but this is experience speculation. Yeah. Let's cover. Okay, our we're, bases good. we're good. Here. We're good. All right, so we can just say whatever we want. This sounds like Bryce McGowan's if it's the Hornets. It sounds I, like I have no doubt. Like, I, I don't even think it's <laughs> – I don't even think – there's not even another player that you could nominate that fits all of the bills mm-hmm. here. Um, it sounds exactly like Bryce McGowan's. And we should, we should be careful here, even with the speculation sound covering us, that this is a, a quote from a podcast. You know, we're not talking about New York Times reporting here. Um, but, but we've got some, some loose anecdotes here indicating – what I think our eyeballs were telling us, which is that something is amiss within this whole structure. And here you have a player saying, look, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And there are two assistants that are trying to help and they're overstepping. And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation before, Walker. I, I, you know, as a producer of media, I've been part of groups where there's a director and then there's an assistant director and mm. then there's uh, another person, a producer on the set. And sometimes somebody steps out of bounds and you get this conflict and it delays things and messes with the vibe, the vibe totally changes and it can affect the final product. And I, and I think that's maybe what we're seeing here. Yeah, it doesn't look organized whatsoever. And so when you talk about the Hornets going out there and just doing a whole bunch of my turn basketball, but it doesn't seem like everyone's on the same page when whoever's turn it is. Um, that's the problem when you have, you know, and then here you have number two overall pick Brandon Miller, 
who doesn't have the bat when he has the basketball in his hands, you know, there are some things you can evaluate, but also you'd like to see him get a little more free. You'd like to see the basketball go to him because right. Nick Smith jr. He's chucking man. And so is Bryce McGowan's to be fair. You know, Bryce is just taking it to the hoop a lot. So that this doesn't, it's not necessarily the most self-aware quote. Doesn't mean that he's wrong, but also there, there are some things here too, where maybe he even said it before he's going to summer league. Right. And we don't even know if it's Bryce. So fair. But with, but with Bryce, this but is, Bryce. you know, this is somebody, <laughs> but this is somebody that's been taking a lot of shots also. And, and Bryce's, his body language in particular, I've noticed is like, he does not look very pleased uh, to be out there. Uh, and, and maybe he's regretting deciding to come back because he does have a secure place on this roster, I think, and a long-term contract. I don't think Bryce necessarily needed just like JT Thor, JT Thor's not playing. I'm, I'm sure he wants to play. I think he put a tweet out saying, I just want to hoop. Like, I'm sure he wants to play, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't think he or JT Thor had to play. But let's let's talk about this coaching situation, because it would be totally different, I think, for the Hornets if they if they were like the Golden State Warriors, where you had Pajemski, your first round pick, and then a bunch of guys that are going to be fighting for G League spots. They're not going to be fighting for main rotation spots in on an NBA roster then I think you can be a little bit more loose with your head coaching decisions if you want to give a guy a shot, because that's what Summer League is about. Giving coaching, it's just like giving players a shot. You give coaching staffs a shot, too. You give guys who you want to see, hey, can they handle the pressure? Sometimes that happens. But for the Hornets, you have a number two overall pick in Brandon Miller that you want to get a fair evaluation of. Find out where he's going to fit on the NBA rotation. You have a lot of guys in James Booknight and Kai Jones, who we're going to talk about in a moment, where you have to decide if they're a part of your future at all. And you may have to depend on them because you've done nothing else in free agency. So these are guys that are going to be one injury, maybe two, from being part of your NBA rotation where you are trying to win games and you can't get a fair evaluation of these guys because the coaching staff is a mess. This is just one more example of just franchise malpractice. It, we've seen it over and over again, and here we are at the end of the road for this ownership group and this front office, and it's just like, how can you not be ready? It is a pattern, folks, when you watch this, when you talk about play-in games where they get blown out, when you talk about summer league games when they get blown out, when you talk about injuries that happen and there's depth issues where you can't replace guys. It can't be next man up. It's over and over the Charlotte Hornets as run by this particular group of people, is consistently not ready. They are the opposite of Lance Stevenson. They were not born ready. They're not ready. It's crazy. Yeah, I had to get, yeah, nice dismount with the Lance Stevenson reference, but you're right. And also when you compound, oh, I, the swiggy <sighs> thing also almost makes me hate it, but I do love it at the same time. <laughs> but when you have not when you have a coaching staff that isn't doing a good job consistently and also the roster construction, right? So then when you don't have the point guard that is able to distribute to your liking and you have a coaching staff that doesn't seem to be doing what they're supposed to, that is a perfect storm of disaster for anybody trying to show their skills in a summer league setting. No doubt about it. All right. And guys that are trying to do that, their third year in the league, we'll talk about them coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. James Booknight, Kai Jones, two first-round picks in the same draft class from a couple of years ago. They're on their third summer league team. How's it working out for them? We'll give you a last dance report in just a little bit. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And if you're starting 
um, therapy, or if you're thinking about starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. You know, it's designed to be convenient. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then switch therapists too anytime for no additional charge if you feel the need to do so. Let therapy uh, be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com, slash NBA. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. And which, what, what I have liked to see a few more shards. Sh- shards? No, I would not have. shards. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So in that quote, Doug, uh, whoever, who Bryce McGowan, whoever said that did talk about the assistant coaches as well, that they have two assistants on the squad, on the staff that actually know what they're doing. Uh, who are the assistants on the staff that you might think that person is referencing? Well, I'm glad you asked because I did the research. I did my own research. I found out mm-hmm. the names of the assistants and we have on the staff, Rex Walters, great name. Sounds like a dime dime novel detective name. Rex Walters on the case. <laughs> he always gets his card, man. By the way, yeah, rookie card for Rex Walters. There you go. Oh, very good. Uh, he's a Clifford guy. Uh, brought on the staff when Clifford was hired. Nineteen years as an NBA assistant and college head coach and assistant coach. So I'm going to go ahead and ding that name. I, I feel like nineteen years. You kind of know what you're doing, Rex Walters. I'd, I'd put him in the category. Uh, you've got Nick Friedman. Uh, Borrego guy, uh, known for his player development. A lot of young guys laud him, uh, love him. But mm. I don't know if Nick Friedman has any uh, uh, like head coaching experience. So I, I don't know about that one. Norm Richardson, a Borrego guy. Jackson Simmons is a video coordinator, uh, UNC player. little nepotism involved there. We've oh, talked yeah. about him before. <laughs> uh, Brian O'Connor, Andrew Gardner. Those are video coordinators on the staff currently. <clears throat> And then you get into the swarm guys. And I think a lot of people were surprised that Jordan Surencamp didn't get a another run at this. He's been a summer league coach before. He's the swarm head coach. He's on the staff. Danielle Marshall, Ben Resner, and Colin Terry are all swarm assistant coaches. And then Driss Akel. I tried to find information about Driss Akel. I can't. I don't I don't know why that person is on the staff. But um <laughs> <laughs> but Sur, I, I would to me, this seems like Surin Camp and Walters. Because Cern Camp's been a head coach before, Rex Walters has been head coach before. They have some experience with Cern Camp. I would I would say if two guys are going to overstep, it'd be those two. Yeah, you would think the two head coaches. Nick Friedman is also interesting, just because if they're if this quote is coming from a young guy that has uh, been involved with Nick Freeman and he's worked with player development, then maybe Friedman would be somebody that knows what he's doing. But if you're talking about two head coaches in Cern Camp and Rex Walters at some point in their life, then yeah, that would make a lot of sense as well. All right, let's get to the last dance report here, Doug. What did you write on every Hornets box score about a couple of guys drafted in the first round two years ago? They drafted James Booknight when he fell to them at 11, and then they traded back up in the first round to go get Kai Jones. We all thought Kai might be that selection at 11, but James Booknight fell to them, so that's who they selected, but they still did like Kai Jones enough to go back and get him in the first round, and yet that looks like the draft class that is the worst in the Mitch Kupchak era, you know, 
third summer league try. It doesn't look like any of them have figured it out. Doesn't look like either one of them just comes in guns a blazing. So what do you think about Kai Jones and James Booknight? Well, Kai Jones, certainly relative to his first game, this was a bounce back game. I mean, six of eight from the field, 12 points, uh, did have five personal fouls, but had four steals and two blocks. So he's doing a lot of the dirty work, but only one defensive rebound. He didn't get a single rebound mm-hmm. in the first game. He only gets one defensive rebound. He's, need I remind you, he is the starting center of this team. Mm-hmm. And he gets one defensive rebound. Walker, uh, to me, that's that's crazy. I, I mean, I you know, he so much energy, so much intensity, so much athleticism, so much, I mean, there is talent there. But at the same time, there are. Th- this is my evaluation of of Kai Jones. He's good for a, a crazy highlight or two, but there's this like, you know, broccoli part of his game, the sort of or meat and potatoes part of his game, that is just not there, and it hasn't been there since he's been in the league, and and you can't trust that guy to to give you big minutes at the center position when you're getting one defensive rebound. In summer league. Yeah. I think with Kai Jones being a project the entire time, it's not crazy to think that he hasn't figured it out in a couple of years. You know, this is the thing about Kai. You discuss him having a longer timeline than some of these other NBA draft prospects, but then patience wears thin. Fans don't necessarily want to be as patient as they say they're going to be with these high upside picks. And so that might be the case with Kai, but still time is running out. And here's the thing for me too, Doug, here comes in James Najee, another project type pick who actually doesn't have as much ground to make up despite being a draft pick two years later, because Kai has not extended himself as a worthy candidate for you to invest in. And so now you have Mark Williams, who absolutely has right away, at least as soon as he came in from the G League, he came in and showed you, I can be the starting center on this squad right now, and you can only feel better about that in my sophomore campaign. Nick Richards has come along. He's certainly gotten better over the last couple of years. He parlayed that into a five-year deal, a $5 million a year deal. So that's fine from Nick Richards. But then you had Kai, who was a first-round pick, The Hornets are going to give him every opportunity to be someone that they invest in, and he hasn't. And so now when you have Najee come in as another quote-unquote project guy, there's just not that much ground to make up. So you look at Kai, you look at James Najee, the rest of the summer league as it goes in this session, then, then maybe you're not going to be able to see all that much of a difference. Offensively, he's got the shooting touch. You know, I mean, he shoots threes. It doesn't mean that he makes a lot of them in Kai. But yeah, would you rather have somebody that does theoretically have all the skill in the world that could put it together but hasn't shown signs of doing that yet and you just don't quite know what to do with them and he doesn't know what to do with himself or would you rather have somebody that is really athletic, is also really physical, knows what his role is going to be. He is not getting it twisted. He is not dribbling the basketball. He's, I'm setting screens. I'm going to roll hard. If I have to post up, I will sometimes shoot it over my left shoulder, but most likely I will look for cuts and I will defend my ass off on the other end. That's what you're looking at for Najee and Kai. It's just, we don't even know what to do with it. It's unfortunate because I do, I do love who Kai is as a guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Moving on to book night 
I thought he had moments in game one. I didn't think he had a great game one, but I thought he had moments where he looked under control. Uh, you know, drive, he's best when he's driving to the basket. You know, there was, there was some, as long as he doesn't turn it over. Yeah. He's got to take right? care of it, but yeah. you're right. For sure. So, but game two, I thought he took a big step back. Uh, he went three of 11. He missed all six of his three point attempts. Only one assist. His defense uh, was non-existent. Pajemski was his matchup, 7 of 14 for 17 points. Kunones was the shooting guard. He was 8 of 16, 21 points. It wasn't just Booknight, but Booknight was getting eaten alive on the defensive end. And, you know, we've seen this before with Malik Monk and others. I've said this. I feel like I've said this over and over again. But you cannot miss as many three-point shots as Booknight does as a shooter and not play defense. Sometimes you can get away with doing one of those things exceptionally and not the other at all, but you can't do both of those. You can't, you know, not do both of those things. That equals you're not getting any playing time. Uh, this is an important summer for Book Night, and it's not over. We got plenty of summer league games left. We got four more games. And then after that, he's got some time before preseason to, you know, g- give us one more look. But it's not looking good, Walker. I just, I don't, you know, and I don't think anyone who watched, I haven't seen the book night defenders are all becoming Brandon Miller defenders. <laughs> they're all like, they're doing the thing. They changed the t-shirt. They go from book night defenders. Now they're Brandon Miller defenders, but all the book night defenders have gone away. No, it, 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 yeah. With James book night, it, it doesn't seem like it's worked out either too. And this is what I go to with his game log last year. Remember how many times he was shooting a ton of threes and he was actually hitting some of them, you know, when he, when he got his last opportunity and it was all because of injury, he didn't play forever, but he did play in, I think the last seven games of the year or so really only got one minute in that first game of that stretch. So then he got 10, 19, then 31, 25, 22, 25, 26 minute totals in those last few games that he played, but he was chucking, like he was shooting a lot of three pointers. In fact, he was averaging over six, three point attempts per game. He did shoot 38% in that stretch. The problem is it was too much of a small sample size that I brought up the point at the time too. It's, this is, I don't think this is how James Booknight is going to make his money in the league. Not right now. And so the three-point shot is great if that transit if that transitions into summer league, if that transitions into good workouts this offseason, if that transitions into any playing time he might get at the start of next regular season, then great. I just don't think Book Knight is a guy you draft because he's a three-point shooter. You draft him because he's a freak athlete and can get to the bucket. And you just didn't see that a lot when he was doing a better job at the end of last season. And so I was a little hesitant to say that that was going to stick. You wanted him to have something else to fall back on if his three-point shot wasn't working. And that just isn't something you've seen here in Summer League. So we'll see what happens the rest of Summer League. There still is a shot for him to be, you know, there still is a shot for him to to impress. Maybe this coaching staff, maybe Steve Clifford. There is that shot a little bit. But yeah. Just like Kai Jones, Bryce McGowan's has come in. I don't know if Bryce McGowan's feels a ton of competition, you know, and he plays the same exact spot. Now look at what Nick Smith Jr. is doing and Amari Bailey. Amari Bailey, even more so. Yeah, I know. I mean, and Nick Smith Jr., by the way, looked a lot more comfortable in game two, had Mm -hmm. four assists. Actually, again, even if he's shooting the ball a lot, there were some nice, there was a slip pass on a cut that I thought was a really good made pass by NSJ. So like, yeah, man, I, 
there's a lot of competition at that combo guard spot, and it's time's running out on book night. Well, here's what's crazy. We have generally regarded Mitch Kupchak and the the era that is this front office as being better at drafting than previous versions of this front office. And it was a low bar to clear, right? Because this franchise is littered with poor drafting choices. It's why we are where we are right now, uh, where this franchise is right now, is because it's just year after year of missing on lottery picks. And yet, it looks like Mitch Kupchak is going to own two of the bustiest picks in Hornets history. Like this, I mean, these picks are worse than Frank Kaminsky. I I would say the only pick that would rival it would be Noah Vonley. Like that's that's the only bustier pick I can think. No, Vonley's bad. Um, yeah, I mean. It, it feels like a lot when you say that, because we do have a pretty bad history here. But yeah, Frank Kaminsky, Noah Vonley. But yeah, even Vonley, no, right. Vonley didn't, at least Vonley just sort of went away and became a, a Celtic for a while and maybe a few other teams. But, but well, he he, at least he didn't have any of the off-court stuff. I mean, you you combine both the on-court, you know, not being able to do the things that you that you thought they were going to be able to do with the off-court stuff with trying to fight a coach and a DUI and Doritos, and it's just all not good. It's all horrible. <laughs> no. All right. All right, so that is the last dance report. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> I'm in a bad way. Don't go to sleep on the <laughs> Hornets just yet. Yeah, you'll see, uh, you'll see on the tag board a security spat ahead of a game that features this guy involved in the security spat against Brandon Miller tonight going to be going down between the Hornets and the Spurs. We see Brandon Miller versus Wimby is Wimby dealing with some off the court issues. Yeah, oh, that's there right. we go. Yeah. First take baby. Bust. First take topic. We're going to have debate <laughs> TV show coming up next. Locked on Hornets. All right, Doug. So we have a wild story ahead of the Charlotte Hornets third summer league game. The first uh-huh. one. And it doesn't Vegas. involve the Hornets. Doesn't involve the Hornets. No, it does not. So the Charlotte Hornets, they'll play the San Antonio Spurs. Uh It is going to be Wimby's debut. It will be the first time that we see Wimby in an NBA jersey. Oh, my God. The number one overall pick. Everybody is anticipating this matchup. He's going against Brandon Miller, the number two overall pick. So, man, Brandon coming off of a bad game, or at least I shouldn't say bad game coming off of a game where he only scored six points because he was facilitating. We've already gone through the context of the coaching staff and whatever that stuff matters. So he might be looking to shoot 15 times in this contest. So Brandon going to be chucking against Wimby, who is the number one pick, but Wimby's got some weird stuff going on involving a 2000 celebrity, Doug, what's going on with Wimby. Yeah. So Wimby is in Las Vegas and, you know, a lot of crowds in for Vegas in general, but you know, summer league, everybody knows Wimby's going to be there. And so he's with the Spurs security team at a restaurant in Vegas. And he's walking along, and there are a lot of fans trying to get his attention. But there was one particular fan of his that wanted his attention a little bit more than everyone else. And there are varying reports on whether she tapped him on the back of the shoulder or whether she grabbed him from behind Whatever happened here, this fan was really aggressive in trying to get this person's attention, and the Spurs security detail uh, slapped this person uh, loud enough where other people could hear it, and that person turned out to be Britney Spears. (laughs) 
wild. Okay. Britney, Britney Spears, who yeah. is, has uh, uh, frequented Vegas uh, for, yeah, I don't know if she's currently doing performances there, but she's done a lot of performances in Vegas. Big fan mm-hmm. of, of Wimby's, tried to get his attention, Had probably had a security detail of her own and probably why she was able to maybe get a little bit closer than everyone else. Uh, but Wimbenyama didn't even know that Britney Spears was there. And uh, Wimbenyama did speak about this to media and said that, you know, Spurs detail told him, when you get into these public spaces, keep walking. Don't turn around to talk to anybody, because if you stop, that's when people, you know, tend to swarm. And, you know, then we've got a situation. And so um, that's why he wasn't like turning around to acknowledge whoever was um, trying to get his attention. But anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the the Hornets angle because everything has the local angle, right? You got to find the sure. local angle. I've got the local angle on this. Are you ready for it, or do you, would you yeah, like to make I'm it? Ready. But before I give you the local angle, would you like to make the com make any comments? Be careful here, <laughs> but would you like to make any comments on Wimby and Spears and the security detail? Uh, do I want to? No, actually, I'm actually good <laughs> on that. Do I want? That's the radio professional right there. No, I'm good. I'm good on making any comments about that, Doug. Let's hear your take. Okay, here's my take. Here's my local angle. Brandon Miller has an opportunity right now, okay? He's got an opportunity, a rare opportunity, to get one over on your draft rival before you ever play a game. What I think Brandon Miller should do is find Christina Aguilera and and bring her to the game. Make her one of his valued guests. Embrace Christina Aguilera and say, look, this is how I treat our 2000s, early aughts pop stars. I treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand the value that they've given, even though I wasn't born when they were <laughs> when they were making <laughs> songs. Weird. But I respect my elders. And this is how I treat them. He has an opportunity here uh, to, to show up Victor Webinyama. And, and make them feel like a fool before they ever even hit the court. And I think you should take that opportunity. Find Christina Aguilera. All right. So you gave your Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera take. Is there <laughs> one thing you want to leave the folks with before we go into the weekend and we get to see Brandon Miller and Victor Wembanyama go at it? Because this is, I would imagine, outside of Scoot and Wimby, which was one of the more anticipated G League games, once we go to Summer League, I can't think of any any Summer League game more anticipated like i don't know any national nba podcast you might have been listening to there's like hey are you going to be in vegas yeah i'm going to be in vegas to watch wimby like this is pretty crazy well i would say there the the reason that this is anticipated is because of victor webinyama it's not because of miller and it's not because of webinyama versus miller i get i get why they put these two together but there's no real there's no real history you you would have had that with scoot because scoot and Victor Wibanyama actually played against one another, went one-on-one in certain possessions. You don't have any of that. So this is going to be anticipated because of Wibanyama. Now, I think if if Brandon Miller in those first two California Classic games, had he put up you know, 30 points on 60% shooting and looked dominant, if he had done that, then I think a couple of the national outlets would have been like, whoa, okay, you've got you've got the Victor Wimanyama thing, but now you've got the Brandon Miller thing a little bit, and let's see these two go go at it. But you've got none of that. And so I think hopefully Brandon Miller is is feeling the moment, but not feeling too much pressure here. 
and, and I don't necessarily want to see him go out and take 15 shots. That's not how I'm going to be judging him. I don't think he needs to like overcompensate and be too aggressive. I would like to see him make less mistakes. I want to see the fouls drop. I want to see the turnovers drop. I love the seven assists because it, it means he can play make for others. It means that he understood, hey, I'm getting double teamed here. I don't need to force it every possession. I can make plays for other people. That's all great. Keep doing that. I'd love to see more than four shots, obviously. But I don't need to see 15. I just want to see less mistakes. I want to see him mm-hmm. kind of settle in and and also respond to the moment. You've got a big moment here, and I want to see him respond to it. And overcome. Look, there have been challenges in the summer league as we went over in that first segment. I want to see him start to overcome those challenges because people are making excuses for him right now. I, I heard it on the True Who podcast. They were saying, you know, is he still sick? Is the mono still an issue? He's lost a lot of weight, so on and so forth. At some point, those excuses are all, as we've seen with James Booknight, at some point, those excuses are all going to start to fall away. And, and I hope that Brandon Miller can meet that moment and say, you know what? No excuses. I'm going to go out there and perform my best. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets ahead of tonight's game against the Spurs or between the Spurs and the Hornets. We'll be back on Monday to recap all of it. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. Now make Game to Game your second listen. You can check that out anywhere you get your podcast as well. Every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. I want Brandon Miller to be a genie in a bottle, baby. 